0: learn more at marines.com all right
1: we're back on another episode of the anonymous eagle podcast my name is patrick leary i'm joined by ben snyder as always ben i would like to start in the most important place uh of course which is obviously the question do we view Marcus Howard as more of a Christian Bale or Ben Affleck?
0: Ooh. See, I thought with the whole uh, mask thing that we were going to go for the Bane angle, but uh I guess uh yeah, I guess Batman has a mask and uh I'm I mean, going to I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say Christian Bale. Christian Bale is a lot better as Batman. He's
1: the master he's the masked Avenger. That's what uh what ben Steele called him in his uh in his recap um that
0: is right yeah that was that was a great line and uh i kind of hope that uh marcus goes rip hamilton and uh just wears it forever yeah no i (laughs) i feel like i feel like masks have kind of advanced in technology like i think of the rip hamilton mask and i think it was just like a little piece of plastic like over his face but they kind of zoomed in on the marcus one and it seemed really well contoured so that nothing could possibly hit the nose. Like the plastic was like a lot farther out on the face, and it was strapped in a lot tighter on the sides so that it could stick out more. His review, know,
1: his review of its comfort was underwhelming. It sounded like though he did oh, not, he did not seem to. I read Ben Steele's recap uh, this uh, last night, and he seemed to think that. Marcus was saying that he didn't really like how it fit on his face, and it was hard for him to figure out. If we're if we're really going to have a, a brief nose mask uh, uh, tangent here to start the podcast, <laughs> my favorite in market history has to be Todd Mayo's true Batman. Uh, That's
0: right, yeah, mask, which was no,
1: no, absolutely incredible.
0: That was a good time, but apparently it didn't matter because Pat, I have a question for you. Oh God, did we? lose to DePaul?
1: No. Uh, it's the best question. We did not lose to DePaul. And that's very uh now, am I encouraged that we are not going to lose to DePaul in uh about a month? Uh no. <laughs> uh because from what I so full disclosure, I did not get to watch much of yesterday's game um and was mostly following it on my phone. So I will defer to you for um specific observations.
0: From what yeah, honestly, I've told, honestly, good for you. You you benefited yeah. greatly from that.
1: Oh, no. Well, I mean, my sanity while it was going on was not great either. I gave up on them multi- at multiple occasions because everyone who I was reading tweets from or in the AE group me or in some other chats that I've got, everyone was saying, like, we can't play any defense. And I was like, all right, sick. We can't win if we can't get a freaking stop. <laughs> so, but, no, from from everything I've been told, it sounds like, that if that game was not at Pfizer forum with a bunch of drunk fans screaming at the top of their lungs, that comeback would not have been possible.
0: Yeah. The really, the two games from this week, this one and the Xavier game have very striking parallels in terms of the style in which we were able to win. I guess it was a lot of, uh, some late-game heroics. It was a lot of uh, timely free-throw shooting on the part of Marquette and a decent amount of free-throw luck on the other end, considering that uh, both Xavier and DePaul hovered around the 50% mark from the foul line. So,
1: Speaking of that, do you, did you
0: realize I just— you said
1: this the exact time my eyes glossed over this on the Ken Palm page. I know what you're you know? thinking, and yes. Yes. We are the fourth. We're fourth in the country in terms of opponents shooting poorly against us from the free throw line, which yeah. is not a stat that Marquette controls really as a team at all. That's like at pure luck-based. Mm-hmm. And Marquette is like fourth in – The country of like teams, like the teams in the SWAC, probably shoot worse free throw percentages than teams in the Big East, just by virtue of their guards not being as good. Yeah, it
0: is. It is a crazy phenomenon. Um, That's insane to me. But it's starting to a take is starting to form in the depths of my brain that in these tight games over the last few minutes. Getting to the free throw line matters a lot more because of A, the amount of possessions, and B, the general over aggressiveness that comes with these tight games. And so the fact that Marquette, I think, had 30 free throw attempts over, as opposed to 50 field goal attempts against DePaul, like that's kind of a testament to somewhat of a specific strategy for those late game Mm -hmm. heroics as much as i don't like it as a full game strategy i think it's something that really helps the team in close games
1: well i think if you if you hear wojo talk about you know overall strategy um i think one of the things you hear over and over again is marquette wants to make more free throws than the other team attempts in every game. Yeah. And, and I'm going to take this a step further. I think Kobe McEwen has found his niche with this team for the rest Uh of the season because Kobe
0: had, Kobe had quite a week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so obviously when uh, the dark Knight breaks his nose, um, you need Kobe to take over and uh, you know, Robin needs to save Gotham for a little while. Um, but he, again, was just a massive contributor at the free throw line against DePaul. Mm -hmm. And that is a way that he can contribute, um, regardless of whether he's in one of those weird heater phases he gets into, um, or not. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, sticky trait for him so to speak like yeah. it's something that you can generally count on
1: he was nine of eleven um even though he was taking over that game with ridiculous shots at some points um against xavier i think he only made wow how did he only make four field goals in that game that feels
0: impossible yeah like <laughs> cause he did have a rough start to the game and yeah I, I, we could spend 10 minutes on kobe in that we ZD could do an game.
1: entire podcast about Kobe McEwen at this It
0: board. was from, this is straight off memory, but from a minute and a half left in regulation to the second possession of overtime, I think Marquette total had six possessions, I want to say, and Kobe McEwen had 14 points in that stretch, I believe. Yeah. Because there were two. there's still two... Well, he, he, hadn't done anything. he
1: hadn't done anything it, until they literally put him in at the end of the game. Yeah. they were that he was not in. Like no. to start the Marcus Howard list period, uh Wojo had gone to Cy, Sakar, the two fours, and I think it was Theo was playing most of that. Yeah, it was mostly Theo. Yeah, and John was not playing Kobe. League. He he had seven players and he was not playing Kobe McEwen. And Mm -hmm. it was not a a wrong decision because Kobe Mm -hmm. wasn't doing anything. But then it got down to the end of the game where they needed something to get them over the line. And he went to Kobe instead of Cy, which was smart. And Mm -hmm. that, like you said, that entire period was Kobe's entire contribution for the game.
0: And you say, like, I think you might be under-exaggerating the word needed there. Like, Mm -hmm. they needed something on offense over that entire stretch because marcus i think left around the under 12 timeout ish something along those lines it was uh
1: 12 minutes left i don't know it's yeah okay
0: so now i remember it it was from that point until kobe has made had made his three that's about 11 minutes and they scored 13 points from what i remember yeah like the offense was nowhere and the only offense that was coming was from Sakari and him steals like there was it was the ball was just being lazily passed around the perimeter, hoping that someone would just kind of do something. And then Kobe comes the along and says, no more of this. It's my time Weird. to shine.
1: Oh, it was 2019. Dang it. Let me let me find it, because there was a point in the second half, like late in the second half where Marquette had fewer points than minutes played in the half. I'm trying to remember. Um, here. Um, why won't it let me have this? There it is. I, I,
0: I can definitely see that. Oh, no,
1: here. I'm pulling up the track. Um, game flow. Here we go. I should be able to find it. So Marquette had 39 points at the half. And mm. with... 324 remaining in oh, regulation. No. Marquette had 53 points, so Marquette <laughs> had scored 14 points in seven or 16 and a half minutes. Like that's so. And part bad. of that was
0: with Marcus on the floor.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, they started bad. Then they lost Marcus. They lost Marcus at
0: oh. It was about seven and half, then, I think.
1: Yeah, so when Marcus went out, at, so at 12.05... Oh, no, because 12.05 is, is perfect, because Marcus goes down, and then uh, Kiki Tandy makes the three. So Kiki Tandy makes the three at 12.05, and they go down by six, and they had 43 points. So they, they'd had four points before Marcus left. So they were actually technically scoring better they had four points in eight minutes before marcus left and then to that three and a half minute point which is about nine minutes ish from there a little less than nine minutes they scored 10 points so Mm. technically they were playing slightly better from a scoring perspective without marcus but it was still there were many possessions over that time when it did not look like they had any idea what they were doing on the offensive end. Um, yeah. and, and I'm trying to remember what the most they were down was because it felt like at some point Xavier was going to pull away. Yeah. It was 53, 53, 45 with nine minutes left after. Quentin yeah. I remember Good- an eight
0: point deficit. So, yeah. And it was and five points with point, a minute and a half left.
1: Yeah. But at that, but at the, but at the eight points, I believe they chipped away with an eight Oh run. Uh, yeah tie at 53 and that point was when it seemed like oh what what's happening here like are we are mm-hmm. is this really happening we we seemed buried um and so yeah it, it uh was it were they really down five with a minute and a half left
0: yeah because kobe hit the first three to put them down two. Mm. yeah part yeah. and part right. i'm a little like I take the Xavier game with a little bit more of a grain of salt because one, Marcus was out for a good amount of time, and part of Wojo's defensive game plan was to protect the paint at all costs, which they did astoundingly. Xavier shot only nineteen of forty four from inside the arc. And Wojo was completely fine with letting them kill Haymaker from three because Xavier is bad at shooting threes and they happen yeah. to make almost half of them. Quentin, so. Gooden. Quentin Gooden
1: did the most like annoying biggies um, yep. bleep housery uh, game possible. Yeah, he hit like, he hit
0: four he hit four threes after five. having yeah after five. having not made one since like December. Yeah, December eighteenth. They kept saying. Yeah. yeah, at that at that point, just like let him have it. No, you're Seriously.
1: right. you You're right. I was wrong. Oh, uh, no. Uh, I was right. Never mind.
0: Fine. And I kind of ended up beating my chest a little bit towards the end because for the
1: Marcus, like, that seems like a bigger problem that extends beyond basketball. If you're beating your chest, <laughs> <laughs> but but for the but good, for those good, who good seem phrase. to
0: for those who seem to overrate uh, Marcus's uh, performances because he doesn't pass enough. I point you into the general direction of what the quote-unquote team offense was doing over that long 11-minute stretch until a hero stepped up and did it all himself. Like The fact that Marcus is able to put the entire offense on his back with that sort of efficiency and seeing what is normally done when the team is all involved in an equal tapestry like wow love that
1: good job <laughs> thank way you. to work that word and love that thank
0: you but yeah like the only reason we were able to win against xavier was because of hero ball and not to dismiss the hero ball by any stretch of the imagination but it clearly is something that the team needs and no matter how much you think that he should pass it more it's the scoring that puts him over the top in terms of an offensive con- contributor and that's what wins mark Marquette most of these games
1: yeah well and i think i think there's a certain there's logic in saying when he's doing what he did against butler where it feels like he's just sort of like running up a half pipe and almost getting to the top and then sliding back down with the way he's like <laughs> shooting jumpers too. Thank you. That's kind of how I feel about how I feel about that when he's just like shooting 20 to 25 foot fadeaways with two guys on him nonstop sometimes. But Mm -hmm. also he'll make those occasionally. And I think the the interesting pushback to switch this back to yesterday um, is how essentially the game winning shot was a pure isolation, although I, I think it was off of a ball screen, but. It was a pure like Marcus hero ball play. Mm-hmm. It it was a step back twenty footer to essentially win the game because taking that lead ended up being what won them the game.
0: And that was um, that ended up being the first lead that they had had since the correct first half. And that game was just so frustrating. It felt reminiscent, like it it wasn't in any way because Marquette shot the ball so poorly, but. In some ways it was reminiscent of like those 2017 games where no matter what type of buckets Marquette could get offensively, DePaul just kept getting in another one. And like Jalen freaking butts of all people had just the game of his life and DePaul got everything that they wanted on the inside. And like it was a very like it, it was probably Theo John's worst game defensively. And Chase Johnson was fine generally, but it really took a defensive switch to a two, three zone that Dave late. didn't see coming. And that was what was finally able to stymie DePaul for the most part.
1: Shout out to wojo. I mean, it sounds like it was a little bit late on the adjustment, but no, I read the, again, I'm going off of the Ben Steele article. um, But it sounds like he sort of acknowledged that, the bleep wasn't working Mm -hmm. and he was just like, all right, well let's do this because I think that if you're not a zone team and you have athletes, Marquette has athletes. Um, I don't think any player on Marquette is a particularly awesome lateral defender, but they technically have guys that should be able to go with most guys, especially go with the Paul for what the Paul usually is. Mm -hmm. Um, but shout out to him for, like, making a, a a big adjustment like that, using the zone as other than a switch gimmick, and mm-hmm. getting the stops that they need to win a game that they absolutely need to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, this... they, played,
0: they played the zone well. Like, they were, like, they held true. No one was who getting was, behind the was, back line. What did the zone look like? 2-3, I assume? Yeah, it was just a normal 2-3, and there have been times, like, When Wojo will use it for like a couple possessions, that you know, like a guy like Jace Johnson or like Brendan Bailey on the back line will creep up a little bit too much to get that guy in the high post, and someone will sneak around the back line and get something easy at the bucket. That didn't happen at all in this game. They held true, they let the guy get it on the elbow, and Paul Reed made one mid range jumper. There were a couple times in which DePaul was able to get an offensive rebound, one of which almost tied the game um, had it not been for an actually fortunate foul call. Um, it sounds like um, the
1: late in the game with a chance to tie the game um, s- standing at the free throw line that Rawl peed on himself. Would you say that, that's, that was accurate to what happened?
0: That is a <laughs> very perfect description because I don't know if you ended up so- – if I didn't you ended up the, not seeing the replay, but yeah, yeah, DePaul had, I think Charlie Moore had a shot initially. He got his own rebound and missed Jace, that shot. I saw and a, then, people saying Jace got called for foul for being tall. Correct. It, it was it was not a foul, but to look at it in a broader context, the foul was actually fortunate because had the foul not been called, Paul Reed, who is a very good rebounder and finisher had a pretty easy opportunity Mm. to get the bucket and instead of getting that easy layup that he probably makes around 70 80 percent of the time he has to go to the foul line where he i I don't know what his free throw percentage is but i can imagine it's around 70 but it's around 70 percent chance to make one of them and he has to make two of them which now brings you around a 50 50 shot at doing that it's, so
1: it's it's actually uh better than you think he's an 80 percent throw shooter
0: oh, okay so that is a 64 percent chance of making both of them mm. so it's still better than him getting that easy too and he ended up making only one of them and that ended up being about the difference in uh Marquette i mean yeah
1: because, because because so um i was told and I saw on Twitter that market fans were screaming for a foul on the, when they were up by three. Yep, that's right. That is exactly arena. what happened. That's that absolutely amazing. It, it, I love it is, that. I cannot talk, tell you how much I love that.
0: Because it it, it it's is so, funny. First of all, when, it's so when, like,
1: it's the Cardinals baseball fan thing where it's like, smartest fans in the game or whatever. But it totally <laughs> is because it's hilarious because they're being – they, they're so astute. Marquette fans are so astute to being put through BS and trauma in like close games. Everyone was they just so into it at
0: the same time. There was that's no discussion needed. Everyone just inherently knew.
1: we. Need I don't to think Rojo's going to need to remember the score anymore because the fans will just remind
0: him. Yeah, that's great. I did kind of like, there was a part of me when Charlie Moore was bringing out the ball. I thought, I kind of just want to see what happens. Like, I know. I know. I know. What it part is, of you is that, and how can you kill it quickly? The the curious side of me and the masochistic side of me wanted to yeah. see it because well. Mark or Depaul was two of nine going into that. I think they're around like the 250 rank in the country in terms of shooting the ball from three. Be- given what has happened with similarly bad three point shooters getting a game-tying three at the end. I just kind of wanted to see if they would go, well, Georgetown missed theirs, but... Well, I guess, no, we fouled on Georgetown. So in terms of actually giving up a shot, I kind of wanted to see if other teams would go three of three. Just to see. But we didn't get that chance. Yeah. But but that was only 10% of me. The other 90% was just like, I've seen enough of this yeah, even though I, even though there's legitimate strategy to letting them get it I just let's just go with what convention says.
1: that's the kind of stuff that you don't admit to publicly then let's let's we got to rein that in and work on that a little bit
0: yeah yeah I know I need to stop admitting as much about myself here on this podcast
1: yeah let's 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 keep that an inside thought all right <laughs> let's take a quick little ad break and then we'll be back on the other side okay so, a couple of other threads I want to explore. Um, check in. How are we feeling about the defense? Are we? Are we like? What's? Where's the panic meter? Because I think the panic meter was at like a five last week, and it may be more like a seven now.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I'm about with you on a seven. Um, Theo John, I. I don't want. I hate. I hate. 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 When. I kind of project what I think another person might be feeling, especially when they're like an athlete. But something about the way Theo is defending guys on the interior now just makes me think that his fouling issues from last year have gotten to him a little bit. He's still getting blocks at an insane rate, but those are like kind of the easier ones where he's one-on-one against someone, he seems a lot more passive.
1: So I had a thought watching Wednesday's game that I don't know if I shared with anyone, but it was that Tyreek Jones is aspirational Theo John. I can, I, I, I can roll with that, yeah. Like, and I don't know if you saw what, uh, specifically, I mean, obviously I think you Definitely saw that Xavier upset Seton Hall for Seton Hall's um, first Biggie's loss on Saturday. Seton Law. That's what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, Heaton Saul also. Ooh. Um, so uh, Tyreek Jones had 19 points on nine of 10 from the field and 18 rebounds. That and four blocks. Friends,
0: that, my friends, is what I would call a yikes.
1: That's a monster game, and I, I will, I will, uh, you know, remind you that Romero Gill is the starting center on the other team, and mm-hmm. Romero Gill is a giant. So, and Sandro is back, by the way. Sandro played 16 minutes in that game. No, well, good for so, him. So, eh, no, I don't want to talk about him. I don't like him. <laughs> um, and when Romero Gill isn't in. Uh, Ike Obiagu is their backup center and he is bigger than Romero Gill. Yep. So like for Tyreek Jones to completely take over that game at six, nine is that is Theo John. Like that is, that is the dream Theo John. Yeah. And I think that like you said, part of what dogs Theo John is this, mental calculus he has to play with himself where he has to decide what is how aggressive is too aggressive mm-hmm. and, and,
0: and a large part of it is not his fault because of the way that right. guys of his size are called right i think so but i also think
1: tyreek jones has figured something out that theo john still needs to put together i because agree yeah. jones is the most physical player in the big east probably mm-hmm. like Tyreek Jones, and then I'm trying to think. There was a guy on Butler, Tyler Weidman, who used to kind of play the same way.
0: Shout out Tyler Weidman. Yeah, he came up cut. because
1: we're gonna do this uh, at the end of the pod. But he came up when I was checking similarity scores um, the other day. Okay. And um, I'll give you I'll give you one guess as to who the similarity score is on on Marquette.
0: For you, Theo John.
1: No, for Tyler Weidman. Like who on who on Marquette has the has the Tyler Weidman Similarity. Oh, current. Yeah, Marquette. I'm trying to remember who it is actually, because I thought it was Jace, and it's not Jace. Is it Jamal Kane? I think it's Jamal Kane. That would be bonkers. No, it's not Jamal Kane. Who is it? Is it Bailey? Is it Ed? No, I don't think I looked at Ed's, because Ed is. Can't nonsense. be Brendan. Oh well, it's gone. Whoever it was, I swear that's how I—that's how Tyler Wyden came into my head the other day. Well, S.M.H. Uh, It's none of the front court, so forget it. Maybe it's changed. Anyway, Tyler Weidman is sort of similar. Just like these undersized but strong dudes that just manhandle people in the middle, get rebounds. And Theo John is like a step away from that. Yeah. Um, And that's where senior year Theo John should try to get. Because as much as I want him to be this um, dynamic, sky-high shot blocker, what this team really needs is a dude that will anchor the middle um, in less highlight, spectacular ways and will just dominate and inhale rebounds. Yeah. So that's where he needs to get. But I, I think and and to your point, to bring this back to where this came up in the first place, the interior defense is a concern and would be much better off with him in place.
0: Yeah. I think yeah I I guess I I still don't know where the balance is so I'm not going to pretend like I know what is best for Theo at this point but as much as i love the pure hustle that Jace Johnson provides he's so limited in terms of his foot speed like yeah back to Jalen Butts he was just carving him up by like doing pretty simple post moves and just getting around him and using that overpowering size to his disadvantage. And I don't know, it could be, I don't want to say that I'm worried about it, but the fact that they gave up way more than half of their two point attempts to DePaul, who is just not a good offense, does not, uh, oh does my not God. bode well.
1: Georgetown won at St. John's. Holy bleep. Without Mac McClung. Oh, without him. God,
0: Damn. Wow. wow.
1: You're at seven that's... with a game winning tip. Oh my God.
0: Man. Oh man.
1: Dude. St. John's is bad. We really can't lose that last game of the season. That would be <laughs> awful. That'd be Um, fun. how did Georgetown win without McClung? Like who do they even play? Uh, all right. Anyway. Uh, so, all right. What else we got on the table here? Um, Briefly, I don't think Marcus Howard is going to win uh, Big East Player of the Year right now, and I think that that is BS.
0: Yeah, I kind of wanted to touch a little bit more specifically on that Xavier-Seton Hall game, particularly because of the game that one person had. That one person is our friendly neighborhood, apparently National Player of the Year contender, Miles Powell, who scored a astounding nine points and was three of 14 from the field, two of two from the foul line. Marcus Howard would
1: never unless it was Maryland.
0: Correct. And I think that Marcus Howard's bad games are put under a much bigger microscope because he's tiny. And like, because Marquette is not currently a top 10 team for some, like, for some reason that right. puts Mar- Marcus's games under a bigger microscope because yeah. now, be- because Marquette isn't ranked, it turns Marcus's big scoring games into a Marcus Keene big scoring game when he was right. at Central Michigan and dropping yep. 40 all the time. That, that deal Marcus Keene. Yeah, I um, first off. I love Marcus Keene. I need Marcus to. Marcus was great. He was fantastic, but he was seen in the national media as something more of a gimmick. Like he was put in the right situation, um, but because he's short and probably doesn't play good defense. And because he's in a weaker conference with a worse team, there can't be a reason that he is truly that good. Like there's no consideration yeah. for, the other guys around him, which is unfair.
1: Can we just say that I don't know what it's going to take, but, like, the the soon-to-be all-time leading scorer in the history of the Big East Conference is not a gimmick. Correct, but yeah. What are we <laughs> What are we talking about here, guys? Like, Marcus Keene maybe played, like, a year and a half at Central Michigan because he transferred all over the place or whatever. Like, Marcus Howard is, like... The established best scorer in the history of the Big East Conference. And it was a, we're treating him like he's some sort of uh, bizarre one off. Yeah. And like Titus, a, and Tate, a, Titus and Tate did a bit on who they think the National Player of the Year is right now. And they talked about three names. And it was, uh, I believe the third was Luca Garza. Because yeah. I, I think it was Obi Toppin, Peyton Pritchard, and Luca Garza. Peyton yeah. Pritchard is a ridiculous inclusion there, by the way. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, Oregon is what are they now? They're 18 and five. Nah, I mean, I don't need to hear about Peyton Pritchard. Um, might not I even do, be I, the best sh- player on sh- his own team.
0: Luca Garza, I've seen a few bio games. He, I actually do think should win Player of the Year. If I'm trying to remove as much bias as I can.
1: Um, I will respectfully disagree and say in my heart Marcus Howard in my head Obi Toppin Um, (laughs) okay
0: yeah Obi Toppin too although Anthony Grant's system is like that Obi Toppin he is he definitely should be All-American obviously like probably top three national player of the year he is helped a little bit from the fact that every single person on Dayton can handle the ball and shoot from three every single one that yeah. helps them a little bit yeah that's fair no, i mean i was pretty
1: i mean as i would i was uh, kind of underwhelming right i mean we don't think i was 15 and 6 they have a really good ken palm rating i've I'm learned sure to never
0: helped. trust iowa because in 2013 because man, i want to say for yeah man for caffrey uh but i think their 2013 team they started off they might have ended up at one point in the top five of the AP poll and kind of dragged themselves down to being one of the last four teams in. And I still, for some reason, trusted them and put them in the elite eight of my bracket. And I don't think they made it out of the first four round. So since then, I've been forever mad at Iowa because they've had the exact same team since then just all offense, no defense. Yeah.
1: Um, they're that, yeah, that, that one team
0: was like, are you talking about the team that was like top five and then got a seven seed? I don't think, I think it was an 11 seed and I think they lost to VCU in the first four game in Dayton. Mm, okay.
1: Cause there was a year where one of my best friends was convinced that they were the best team in the country.
0: That it, it was definitely that same year because And they got whammy,
1: they got whammy by Villanova. In round two, I think mm. it was the year Villanova won the title, maybe.
0: Maybe that was it then. I don't know. Because again, all the Iowa teams just mesh together. Like, it's the exact same. But this year is just, I think it's a better offense because they have Luca Garza. I don't think I've seen him miss a shot
1: ever. Yeah, it was this year. It was 16. Nova won the title, beat Iowa by 20 in the second round. Nice. Iowa was. Iowa won its first seven or eight Big Ten games, and then lost their last four or five. Lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament to Illinois. Woof. Um, yeah. Anyway, random tangent. But no. So in general, I think Marcus is gonna um, get snubbed. I mean, I think, I think so. the way it's the way it's being talked about i d I'm not sure if Marcus is a shoe
0: in to be a first team All American at this point. Yeah, I do which, think that's gonna end up going down to Miles Powell or Marcus Howard. Which is infuriating. Because that's just horrible.
1: He's just so good. And it's like he's playing through a ton. He's you know, not doesn't have the greatest I mean it's a good system in that Wojo kind of just lets him cook, but it's not like until Sakar Anum has sort of come along, although Sakar didn't really do much against DePaul. Um, until Sakar Anum has really started to heat up, it's Marcus has really just got all of it on his shoulders, and he's carrying this average power conference team to. I mean, here's another thing I wanted to talk about. At this point right now, how much worse off is this team than last year's team? Like, like it's not not significant on, now the next, like on games, yeah. okay. the next three
0: games second this year versus february second last
1: year okay next three games are going to be really brutal um and if marquette can win two of them that would be incredible um yeah. next three games for reference are home butler at villanova home creighton creighton i think is talent to match up the worst possible opponent for marquette mm-hmm. um because marquette does not do a good enough job on uh drive and kick defense which is creighton's like entire team yep. um so i think creighton is gonna blow marquette out again
0: but um i think then, that so, part of my part of my win expectation for the next three will depend heavily on whether or not aaron thompson plays for butler next sunday is he still out he did not play yesterday or well, saturday and yeah. so I, well, I i don't know what's I
1: feel fairly confident in that case, if there's any modicum of adjustment on Kamar Baldwin, that Marquette would win that game if they ran it back again. Yeah. Um, anyhow, um,
0: but Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Winning at least one will be important. Sorry. Continue. The point overall is I don't know how much, you know, you like to talk about this a lot specifically to call you out, um, how this season is such a shell of itself because of losing the house brothers. Yeah. Um, but at this point last year, Marquette was flying in the Big East, but they weren't, you know, metrically better than this team is right now. I mean, Marquette is a uh, is now lower in Ken Palm than they were at this point last year because the blowout at Butler was a big swing forward. Now, mm-hmm. January thirtieth of last year. Going into that game, Marquette was 35th in Ken Palm. Um, so Marquette being 31st as we sit here this morning is an upgrade over that. But then they won by 18 at Butler, and that game was awesome. And then they swung up to as high as 26 before uh, losing that game at C- to St. John's, mm. uh, which I don't want to talk about. Um, we do to. No, we don't. Uh, so, and that was sort of the beginning of the end a little bit, maybe a bit. Yeah. It, took the a, end. it took a little longer than that for it all to come crashing down, but it, it was very quick. So my point is I'm very intrigued by the next month for this team because yeah. I don't, I think that for all like the, the uneasiness and, um, Wow, I can't think of any other word than kvetching right now. Wow, wow,
0: another pat word.
1: Yeah, well that's like a isn't that a like a Hebrew word? Yeah, um,
0: Yiddish is what Yiddish? Yes,
1: thank you, not Hebrew. Um yeah, it's a Yiddish word, but it's like all the like hand wringing and like oh god, Wojo, that's going on. This team is like six and four in a really good conference.
0: Still in potential position to win it if they want to. Yeah. uh, Maybe possibly. Yeah. I I might've been a little previous if they win two out of the next three, then yes, I will be. Here's
1: the thing. So Ken Palm still thinks 10 and eight and I still think 10 and eight.
0: I still think 10 and eight. Yeah.
1: So that's a four and four finish for 10 and eight, which I think is Mm -hmm. like super realistic because I think you've got to build in one, uh, there are four home games left four road games. I think you gotta say that they're gonna lose at least one of the home games and then um you know they will probably lose at Villanova and then have an underwhelming performance on the road at some point. Um whether it's uh Providence, DePaul or St. John's, I don't know which it'll be. But um at any rate, um if they like don't tank at the end of this year like they did last year this team is not going to be any different in the NCAA tournament than last year's team was.
0: Yeah. A five it's, seed is great. It's, it's so it's, a five seed is so
1: massively within the realm of possibility at this yeah. point. Like it's, probably it's in the, right t- now it's in in the top like half
0: of possibilities. Whereas a five seed last year, even though metrics didn't necessarily say it, the win total kind of made a five seed towards the lower end of the spectrum. But yes, the yeah in theory they could be in the exact same position as at the end of last year. Well, there are no
1: there are no um, quad three losses left mm-hmm. on the on the, on the schedule. Um, so like that's another huge thing is there's really not a bad loss. Um, now that they've beaten St. John's at beaten DePaul at home. There's not, and they've swept Xavier, who's actually a team that metrics like a lot more than their 3-7 and seven Big East record. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really a bad loss left on here. You know, like something like at St. John's would really suck. Yeah. But they don't, the uh, the metric systems don't kill you for road losses in, comf- in tough conferences. So yeah. It's really unless they just absolutely go in the tank and go like two and six the rest of the way. This team is like so within the achievement of what they did last year. Yeah, and it's that's crazy to me. Now you could argue that well, if they had the Hauser brothers, like I'm not mocking you here, but no, mock me. If they had the Hauser brothers, they would be a top five team. Like yeah. I don't believe that because I don't think that first of all, having conversations that don't exist in reality is a frustrating and maddening way to drive yourself insane. But secondly, like, I don't know how, like, how good would Joey Hauser be in a situation where he clearly doesn't like and he clearly probably still would be bad at defense? Sam Hauser would be an amazing part of any team, obviously, and Sam Hauser is going to be absolutely out of this world good for Virginia next year.
0: I'm going to cry every time he hits a three. Oh, dude,
1: I, no. See, see, I have, as you know, last season I adopted Virginia as my um, second favorite team, and it was an absolute mm-hmm. thrill ride. And as I mentioned in the Anonymous Eagle group chat, uh, I was at the gym on Tuesday. Wow, sick when, brag! Yeah, dude, I uh, just lift so much. Uh, I, and I was watching Virginia against Florida State, a top five team? Question mark. Didn't know that. Yeah. Good. Good to learn that Florida State was in the top five on the fly. I love, like
0: call, I love calling them flast. <laughs>
1: I liked that way more than I should for some reason. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, and Kihei Clark, who is all of 5-5, completely took over the game. And Shout out my
0: short king, them. King Kihei
1: Clark. I love Kihei Clark. And so Kihei Clark and Sam Hauser is going to be amazing. It's going to so be fantastic. Kihei Clark is like the best pure passer that exists in college basketball because he just completely lives to be a pure passer and him just, like, kicking the Sam instead of the absolute garbage three-point shooting that Virginia has right now is going to be absolutely great.
0: It's going to be fantastic. But, yeah, uh, we can – I am generally wanting to save the last year to this year comparisons uh, for maybe a retroactive because we do need to consider a potential – uh, either late season surge or late season uh, collapse but
1: uh, yeah. I, I don't want to put it past wojo to to you know pull absolute horror from the grasp of um, positivity but yeah. I don't really this team is very I don't know if they're in. Incon- i don't know if they're more consistent but they seem to we know what this team is, and this team feels like, like we said, a four and four finish, where they get a five or a six seed, yeah. and it and it doesn't seem like if you look at the schedule and you look at the teams around the conference, that feels so eminently
0: realistic. On a game to game level, they have gotten a little bit more consistent and consistent in the way that we like to, which is consistently better, um, but still there is just that lingering over the head that there is just not much beyond Howard. Like Hauser could still reasonably Sam Hauser could still reasonably take over a game a sophomore year. Joey Hauser would have improved a lot more on offense and clearly yep. he left because he didn't like the situation, but part of why he left the, he didn't like the situation was the way the coach handled it. So I think I would had, say what, that... had Wojo had Wojo handled things better, you would have expected a better attitude from those hazards is part of my point. But I think yeah. the offense would have probably been one of the five best in the country as opposed to hovering around top 20. I don't know what to think of what the defense would have been because Joey has the tools for it to be a better defensive guy, but he was really, really bad last year. So I'm,
1: I miss Sam Hauser is my conclusion from this conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I can say that as well, but uh, I guess it's going to be, it's
1: going to be really painful when he's in the NBA and he has no affiliation with Marquette. Yeah, and be sad. we have we have all of these positive feelings about him, um, literally oh. like literally like Eric Gebhardt's entire Twitter timeline for the last year is just how everyone is going to feel watching him in the in the NBA. Just like this mi- mix of like confused anger and frustration.
0: Yep. Um, and sadness. Little yeah. sprinkles of sadness. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but in terms of your overall thoughts of comparing where we are at this point this year to where we are at this point last year, it is starting to converge a little bit more because I think we're going to start getting a few more votes in the AP poll. There's going to be a little bit more of an upswing in terms of where we are on the seed line, especially if we can pull out a good win against Buller, Villanova and or Creighton. So
1: yeah, there's we still still all in three there.
0: That'd be really still, bad. There's still a lot up in the air, but it's not a terrible comparison, even though at one point around this time last year, Marquette was ranked number ten in the nation.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. But even then it was like stockpiling wins against bad teams that didn't feel like it was. Good wins. Yeah. Yeah. And not not that like this week was in any way um an overwhelming week because we won a double overtime game and we won a game that we didn't lead in the second half till a minute and a half to go. But I don't know. There's something is a win is a win. Yeah. And, and no, just knowing that the three best players don't hate each other is like a very more encouraging. The bottom is higher than it was last year kind of feeling right like knowing how bad that situation must have been for the last month informs a lot of how bad it looked for the last month and i think this year there's something more this team understands what it is and can play to a higher level you know through team play um i don't know I don't I don't wanna get overly positive only to have it this team crush my my hopes and dreams. But
0: Yeah, I'm i I'm trying to temper things a little bit, oh. but uh
1: Do so you, uh, you know what Seton Hall is on the bracket matrix as of as of uh Friday? I'd say a two or three seed. Yes, they're the second two seed. Oh, oh god, I wanna throw that down a well.
0: Yeah, it it's it's starting to get at that point in the year where First thing I'm going to do at work is I'm going to check my email, going to check the files I had saved and then I'm going to go to Bracken matrix and see where we are.
1: Yeah. Or I'm not excited or, for that. Or that time of year when you look at where Seton Hall is and uh where they're seated and you uh immediately research the team that gets drawn next to them and talk yourself into how Kevin Willard can blow it this time. To that 15 seed. Yeah. I mean, well, no, they'll probably lose down the stretch and they'll get like a 4 and then the 13 seed will be like Vermont or something and then it'll be like goodbye, you know. Yeah. Um all right. Well, anything else you got there, Ben? Oh, well, let's do do a quick um blood pressure check. This will come out after or well, it, around the time when you will be sitting um in your with uh, among your thoughts and fears and hopes and dreams. Um so give us a little uh um I don't know if anyone who listens to this podcast is a Levitard show fan but every guest on the Levitard show during Super Bowl week gets asked um what is the uh most important thing that team X needs to do to beat team Y but as Stugatz is saying team Y he fakes like he's having like a like a respiratory attack to see like an experiment um as to like how many of the guests will ask him if he's okay before giving their crappy sports take about um, <laughs> what the keys to the game are. And only like two of like 20 guests end up asking him if he's okay. And they like end That's up asking them at the end. It's like, were you not going to like ask if he was okay? Like, it sa- he sounded awful when he asked you that question. But what is the most important thing that the Chiefs have to do to beat the
0: 49ers? <laughs> so I, yeah, I guess part of why I wanted to record it now was a. From what Pat and I talked about before we hit the record button is, uh, I thought the game was going to start at four central and not five thirty
1: central. <laughs> this is this is just an amazing like, you are a seventy year old woman googling yeah. how what time does the Super Bowl
0: start? Don't 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 know why I didn't know <laughs> that, but uh, I, Call,
1: uh, calling your local newspaper to figure out what time the Super Bowl starts.
0: I've I've been just basically my entire last week has been trying to find as many methods of distraction as I can in order to avoid thinking about this. So my, I live in an apartment complex. My neighbors upstairs are good friends of mine. I will be going up there and I over volunteered for uh, bringing food because I knew like on Thursday there wasn't going to be a whole lot going on that evening. So I knew that I could do a lot of grocery shopping on Thursday and then Saturday after the Marquette game and after I played with my parents' puppy, there was a little bit of free time for me. And so I was able to just like pour all my thoughts into making my good pesto dip. And then this morning I went through like my whole Sunday routine. I went, uh, did a little uh, pregaming at a brewery. And then I came back home and I was just going to like do some last minute things, go up to my friend's apartment, Settle down for the game and at that point right when I'm about to start actually thinking about the game it'll kick off and my anxieties can actually be put into a more tangible thing because I'll have the football right there and like I can judge my anxiety based on what's happening and not based on some future intangible event. And so when I came back here and I realized that the game doesn't start for an hour and a half after that, I thought, I was like, okay, Pat, let's record. I, cause now guess what? I'm starting to get stressed about the Super Bowl and I really, really want the Chiefs to win. I really want to shove it in the face of every single Packers fan that Patrick Mahomes is already the greatest quarterback of all time. I really want to call my dad and just, uh, Give him recaps of all these random ass Chiefs games that I went to, like uh, the time that Mark Richter had a 99 yard touchdown, or the time that we got absolutely destroyed by the Michael Vick Falcons. Um, and yeah, it's a beautiful day in Kansas City. Power and light has been filled up since 10 a.m. Uh, I have another friend at Westport. He barely got a table. I just, uh, I really want Kansas City to be happy because, uh, yeah, I was not, I was at Marquette, when the Royals won the World Series. Um, I want to be able to go to the parade because the parade runs right through my neighborhood. I really want to be able to take off work and just walk there. And uh, yeah, the stress is starting to settle in. And this isn't fun, Pat. I don't know. why, Why the hell do we do this? Like, there's a 50-50 chance I just end up being really sad at the end of this. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to feel sad. Like, I, like I want to have, like, a normal-ass, like, Sunday. Like, it's a freaking beautiful day out. Like, yeah. I'm just going to spend most of it, stress the hell out for a 50% chance of being happy. What the hell? And well, even still, that happiness is predicated on the fact that I spent 25 years of my life being mostly miserable. Trying to make sure that this one happy thing happens, like spending 25 years of your life to of just masochism for the prospect of one happy week, is batshit crazy. Well, and it's a thing that we all do. Here's the thing, you can't possibly
1: lose this game in a more painful way than my team lost uh, the last Super Bowl it was in. So there's there's some encouragement I can offer you. Well, oh, I appreciate it, can't, it. It can't be worse than uh, me being about ten beers deep, collapsing against the wall of the house I was living in at the time after Russell threw that pick on the one. So that is that is heartbreaking. Dude, I poof, that was oh man, that was a uniquely awful experience. I have no idea just. I don't even know how that got behind me, honestly, but it did at some point. Um, That said, um, I think that's a
0: good uh, place to sign off.
1: Yeah, I I don't think Patrick Mahomes will will mess that up. I I really hope not. that That said, um, I am also cheering for your chiefs. um, Thank you. In an obvious way. I, I don't think that's surprising. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, we'll leave you with a, a, uh, go chiefs and a, the big East is entirely in the top 75 in the net. So love, love, Stan, stand my conference that is, uh, is quite accomplished. And, uh, um, we, we will see you, um, wow, gosh, when are we going to do this next? Maybe next Monday because there's oh, not yeah, a game till Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, so it might be a while, but um, we will uh, check back in with you uh, when we get a moment. And until then, um, go for and for the rest of the way and go Chiefs. All right.